screenings and the second screening was this weekend but don't worry i'm this movie will come out in normal theaters um soon Ooh. well soon is more like next year but it will come out <laughs> yeah so tell me tell me um, about level 16 so level 16 it was a very good movie i was so excited okay first i'm a really big fan of dystopian um novels and movies and all that stuff um so the fact that it is a dystopian movie. So okay, let me give you a little yeah, synopsis yeah, because a- I'm gonna going into it and I was like, well, basically, um, you're following around this girl named Vivian, and they are they grow up like this group of girls, Vivian included, are growing up in this school, this academy where they are taught the virtues of being a woman. Um, Virtues such as obedience and um, uh, cleanliness. Like being super clean. (laughs) Being super clean and all that stuff. And vices are anger is a vice. And so they're taught these... um, these values for virtues and they grow up in that way and you don't really know what's going on you just know that these all these girls um they have always been together but at the same time apart so there are other a bunch of girls but they are separated into groups that switch every every level so it's called level 16 because the school has 16 levels and the 16th level is the final level for you to leave the school. Oh, okay. So yeah. so so the so the 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 facility that there are is like a school of some sort? Yeah, it's uh, they call it the academy or like yeah, they call it as a school and they say that it's their home. So they've never seen sunlight. It's a completely closed facility. They've never seen sunlight. Um everything is locked and guarded. They are only up for about, for like limited amounts of time um, during the day Mm -hmm. and doing things. And um, if they don't follow certain orders, they are punished in very terrible ways that we don't learn until the end of the movie. We just learn that being punished is really bad. And yeah, so you first go into the movie and it's like, it's a very what's going on here because uh, it starts like that but then vivian starts discovering things that kind of like shift the entire world around right like every dystopian novel yeah so uh, every dystopian movie (laughs) something changes and you don't really know what changes um so basically that's the basic premise of the movie it was director directed by Danishka Esterhazy. I'm sorry if I said that name wrong, her name wrong. She has done an amazing job with this movie. Um, but the thing is, the first thing I thought going into the movie, watching it was, oh, The Handmaid's Tale. Yeah, that's like yeah. the, the no- honestly, when you were talking about it, or at least like the plot of it, I was like, oh my God, so kind of like The Handmaid's Tale. Yeah, yeah. Especially because like a lot of the feel, because the thing, they think that graduating is them being adopted by a family. And because they want to be the perfect daughters, right? That's why they have their training this entire life to be perfect do- daughters to high society people. But, you know, <laughs> yeah. the buts. <laughs> Not going to go into them. Yeah, because the <laughs> there's always like a down. There's al- there's always a downside for dystopians, but there's always like a like a catch. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, it starts off. It f- feels very much like The Handmaid's Tale. But then as it progresses, it becomes a lot more complex in certain aspects. Um, and it, it it was a really satisfying movie to watch because I will say this, um, a lot of, it's not a spoiler, but it's kind of talking about the ending. <laughs> um, <laughs> so anyone, uh, like no, the ending of the film? No. Yeah, or like the, the ending of the film. Okay. The thing is like a lot of dystopian novels, they stop at kind of like 
that stage where it's like you know they're gonna get out they you know that they're gonna change something but she, it cuts off right before that change happens and this one kind of goes on for a little bit longer oh that's and that made me nice. really really it made me feel really great because i was like i've i always want to know more about the characters especially because i've become so involved with these characters their struggle of everything and i want to see more i want to see that they are gonna do this or gonna do that and the fact that it went on just for like that little bit longer it was maybe 10 minutes that was just like enough to give me like so much satisfaction so if you enjoy thrillers it's definitely a thriller a psychological thriller because there are moments where you're like you're sure something is going on and then you encounter this character or a new character and you're like no everything's in her head nothing is actually going on this actually the society is actually working and then all of a sudden, an interaction with a new character, and you're like, no, uh, I'm wrong about the other thought I had. It's actually the first thought I had. And then it's kind of like that throughout the movie until you get to the very last bit of it. So it was very interesting. Like, it's one of those movies where you're on edge the entire film, but on, on edge with, like, being a really good thing. Because, like, you get emotional with the characters. You want them to succeed. It was amazing. <laughs> I really liked it. <laughs> Yeah, it sounds really cool. And, like, correct me if I'm wrong, but a, a lot of the actors and everything is al- almost all women. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, there is, the only people that are men is one professor slash doctor and the guards. And there are, like, three guards. Everyone else is a woman because um, all, peop- all the students of this academy are girls. And the m- person they interact the most is the headmistress, who's also a woman. Also, um, she w- did an amazing job. Her name is Sarah Canning, and she did an amazing job in this role, um, especially because it's such a conflicted role, because she knows certain things are wrong, but she still perpetuates them. So you see that kind of struggle, like doing the right thing or continuing with the norm, you know? yeah so it, it it's if you have the chance to watch it definitely do it's also been uh it's also a partnership with cbc this movie was a partnership with cbc one of the new funds they created so it should be coming out on cbc soon and one interesting thing is that um the director's cut of the movie has about 15 minutes more to the film so they show a lot more of their daily lives because because it's a film for the movie theater. So it has to be kind of pa- fast-paced at moments. But she, in the director's cut, she included a lot more of like their daily lives. And I wish I could see that director's cut because it seems fascinating. Yeah, it's always... Yeah, I definitely feel like in a lot of like dystopian films, uh, especially ones that come out in theaters, it's just like, okay, we just set up the premise... And we'll just go off from there. But I kind of like that long, drawn-out sort of daily life because it kind of really shows you how the the society works a little bit more, gives you a little bit more like a sturdier backbone for what this world is. Yeah, it's a very well-developed, well-constructed world, which I was really happy about. Um, And especially because you get to discover things slowly and... Uh, it's always that I think with dystopian um, I'm always saying novels because <laughs> that's what I read but no with dystopian themed um, <laughs> films artwork general stuff uh, there's always a lot of there's always has to be a balance between like what you give the audience and what you don't give the audience mm-hmm. and sometimes I feel that some directors will just not give enough and you're kind of like just left in the dark the entire movie and although that can be good sometimes like usually you're just like completely lost you know did did you ever feel like in the movie that you like predicted something to happen you were like oh my god i'm right no actually like well by towards the end i was like yeah i already know what's going on but like by that time i already had all the information but because i was so the first vibe I got was The Handmaid's Tale. In my head, I was like, oh, okay, so they're raising this, these girls to reproduce, right? Like, that's what I was going for in the beginning. And, like, completely wrong, <laughs> you know? Just, like, totally no, off the mark. totally off. But, yeah, like, it's... And the thing is, like, it's so... The the screen, right, was actually written 10 years ago, but it's so, oh, so wow. current. It's extremely current. 
Yay. Yeah. I love Kurt Stobians <laughs> about women. That's always a great thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a lot has changed for women since the 1950s, but... Some things still stay. Uh, a lot of it is still the same. Or a lot of it is not even the same. It's just hidden. It's still there. It's yeah. just hidden. Were there uh, women of color in the film? Okay, that's the one thing I Ooh. am kind of like not too sure about. And I'd love to ask the director more about that. Because there will... So the, the main characters are... Vivian, she is a white girl. However, her best friend slash, is it a best friend? Like, not even slash, like, question mark? We're not really sure. Are they together? No, 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 no. Oh. It's more like frenemies. Like, is, are like are <laughs> they helping each other? Are they not helping each other? Do they like each other? Do they not? Like I like how my first thought was, like, <laughs> like gay. gay. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. There actually is so, like, there's absolutely not absolutely zero but like very little talk about sexuality at all there is it's as if in this world sexuality is very much departed from like the girls world just because they're they're taught all these virtues how to act and how not to act that like sexuality isn't a part of it you know and like the only place where sexuality could even like not might not even because like i don't want to consider it as a discussion of sexuality is like mentions of rape from the guards towards the girls you know mm. so that's the only part where like actual sex comes in to the play to oh. the story at all since you bring that up are there kind of like for people who are interested in seeing it are there kind of like moments where it's like might be a little triggering mm. no 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 that's um not at all like they talk about it they never talk about it explicitly they mention it as in like he comes into the girls' rooms at night, that kind of thing. Um, it's uh, there are no scenes shown um, that is actual abuse or anything like that. There are some violent scenes, but it's related to their escape. Um, okay. Okay. Cool. Because I was like gonna be like, oh god, please don't. <laughs> Don't want to see that. Please. Yeah, but wait, back to the people of yeah, color question. Yeah. So her best friend is Asian. Um, however, there are no darker skinned characters. So no, like, um, so Aboriginal women? No, or, or? Um, there are some ethnically ambiguous um, characters, but they're all very fair. Everyone is very fair. But the thing is, like, throughout the movie, I was kind of like tick me like i was like i want to see variety yeah but at the same time it makes a lot of sense with the plot because like once you do understand the world you understand why those choices were made like done like what why was that why that was done because it does make a lot of sense in that world to not have darker skin girls in the the academy Ooh. I, I'm, like, already, like, paint a picture. It sounds really interesting, though. Like, I'm already kind of hooked. Yeah, don't don't make, don't make think that that is going to be, like, a thing to make you not like the movie because, like, honestly, like, it is something that, yes, it kind of bothered me in the beginning, but once you actually get into it, you will understand why that choice was made and, like, the ethnically ambiguous um, characters, like... I'm really not sure at all what are their backgrounds. I just know that, like, there were, there was, I was going to say, there was no one, like, near my color. But, again, we're on the radio, we can't see, so you have no <laughs> idea what color I am. <laughs> yeah, basically, all I can hear is your voice. <laughs> um, yeah, it sounds really good, though. Like, I, I'm always, like, a fan of dystopians that, never like after you figure out the, the truth or you figure out the mystery like it just ends there with just like thoughts of plans like I, I like to see more of like what like their start of what their plans would be and the thing is um because i watched the movie at viv viv oh yeah viv last week is this week <laughs> so go, so go so get, get stuff go, go get tickets yeah um she, the director actually came out and talked a little bit to us and that was pretty cool yeah and 
I lost my train of thought. I was gonna go somewhere with that point. Oh yeah, she mentioned that, like people started asking like, what happens to this character, and like, will we see a sequel? And she was like, maybe we'll see a sequel. And I'm like, sincerely, I don't want a sequel. I want a prequel. I want to see how that thing ended up happening. <laughs> you know? Why not both? <laughs> Get both. Get the sequel and the prequel. Yeah. Like, come on. <laughs> Make it a tr- trilogy. And those like, oh, that would be so good. <laughs> Well, it sounds like something that's, like, really good and especially, I guess, good for uh, this kind of political environment if you want to see more about how terrible life can be, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) But it it does sound really interesting. I I remember reading kind of the synopsis of it and seeing some of the the kind of promo uh, photos of it for, like, kind of... Just like a little shout out production wise, because I like talking about production stuff. How was the production? Um, It was incredibly. Okay, so they actually filmed in Toronto. I'm pretty sure it was Toronto in an old police, a shut down police building. Oh, no way. Yeah. So it was like a lot of the decay, the natural, natural, (laughs) quotation marks, natural, not natural, like the decay of the building. They used a lot of it in the movie. Um, which is really cool and there was like this bluish filter that kind of made everything ghostly and sickly like a sickish blue Mm -hmm. color which was really cool and intense Um, just because there are some contrast scenes where the color shifts and you're like ah man what's going on you know (laughs) yeah i feel you well Thank you so much for the view. We're going to do some ads and PSAs, and then we'll be right back with you with uh, an interview with Rachel Park and some Vancouver International Film Festival shout-outs uh, by Jake Clark in the Jawbone segment. So talk to you guys later. Without the help and support of our friends, we here at CITR wouldn't be able to bring you all the great music, art, cinema, and culture that you love. Thanks to the long-standing support from the Rio Theatre, we are able to keep you informed on all the great artists, films, and everything else coming to town there. For all the current information about who and what's playing at the Rio Theatre, visit their website at www.riotheatre.ca. women dressed in lingerie were hanging from the ceiling on meat hooks. In an adjacent room, a man was in bed with two deceased females, also wearing lingerie. He positioned their arms in a sexy embrace. Down the hall, a man holding a chainsaw stood over the motionless body of a sixth woman lying on a table covered in plastic. These are scenes from a popular music video by a Grammy award-winning artist. If we want violence against women to stop, shouldn't we stop treating it like entertainment? Join the conversation at hashtag not okay. Hello, you're right on back with uh, the CITR Arts Report. We're going to do uh, a segment real quick uh, with the Jawbone, so I hope you guys enjoy. You're listening to the Arts Report on CITR 11.9 FM, broadcasting from the unceded Musqueam territory of UBC's Point Grey campus. You may have already known that, but what you may or may not know is that this is the Jawbone with Jake Clark, our regular interview segment. And today we have Rachel Park, currently Joanna, in a production of Sweeney Todd put on by the Snapshots Collective at, and this is a terrific location, I am not making this up, (laughs) literally Mrs. Lovett's Pie Shop in Gastown. I do have to ask about that right off the bat. Was that an intentional thing or was that serendipitous? It was like, okay, we need Sweeney Todd. And someone's like, there's a Miss Lovett's Pie Shop in Gastown. No, well, it, there was no Mrs. Lovett's Pie Shop until we created one, actually. In September, it was a clothing store, a pop-up shop. And we transformed it into an 1800s pie shop. It's kind of a rundown store. And we have just transformed it into what we're calling Mrs. Lovett's Pie Shop. We're selling pies from the venue. It's going to be absolutely fantastic. And it was very intentional by the director and the choreographer and everybody involved in the production. They just wanted it to be immersive and site-specific. Would selling pies during a production of Sweeney Todd be more, or would I just wonder if that would be counterintuitive, given yeah. the core <laughs> principle of the yeah. play? I think that just adds to the element of horror, but also a little bit of humor there. Like, obviously, we're not selling any body parts, 
in our pies. But uh, yeah, I'll just clarify. By kidney, we don't mean human kidney. It's another way to involve the audience in something that otherwise might not. Is there other audience participation in the show? There's not so much participation, but we will be interacting for sure with the audience. Oh, okay. Sounds yeah. neat. So we're not going to call anybody up, but you'll probably get touched. You might get splashed. You know, when there's just audience participation, Sweeney Todd, I'm just glad that that's it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Now, probably like most of the audience, I'm familiar with this play through the Tim Burton film, which mm. was said to be an influence on this. And I was wondering if you drew any specific inspiration from the film, whether or not it's Jane Wisner's performance as Joanna, the part you're playing mm -hmm. in the show, or for aesthetic considerations and costuming. I think costuming, for sure, was influenced. My, I feel <clears throat> that the overall look of my character especially is similar. Emily Fraser is our costume designer. She's done a beautiful job with our costumes. I can definitely see some similarities to the Tim Burton movie, but there's unique spins, and she's definitely made it her own as well. And character-wise, I think that that Jane Wisner's character was very beautiful and reserved, and that's something that I'm trying to bring in a little bit. But in the theater, it's nice to make it a little bit more animated, just so people are more drawn into what you're doing, because there's no zooming or that's editing, true. right? So you have to kind of draw people in in a different way than when you have an entire film crew that can really control that environment for you. Well, that's a huge so it's a little different. Yeah. That's the difference between stage and screen acting. Exactly, really. exactly. And I, I kind of want to ask about that as well, because you're trained in opera. I am, yeah. And would you consider Sweeney Todd closer in performance to, because it's a musical, is it entirely in song? It's not entirely in song. There's quite a bit of dialogue, but there's a lot of music. And even the dialogue mainly is underscored or there's something happening musically that's influencing the dialogue. So in that mm. way, it is very similar to opera. And funny enough, I wrote a paper on this last year, whether Sweeney Todd was an on opera Sweeney or, Todd yeah, itself. funny, okay. before I auditioned for the musical or anything like that. I think the consensus is that it is a musical because there's just things about it. There's much more spoken dialogue. There's there's much more color in the voices. Not that opera isn't colorful, but the emotion from the plot like affects the voices so much more, which in opera you don't really see. So songs like Epiphany, where he's literally screaming at the audience in a beautiful way. Warren mm -hmm. Kimmel's incredible. You wouldn't really see that in opera because the integrity of your voice is such an important thing. I, I do like the flexibility that that brings to the table. Now, I'd be wondering if that's a characteristic of the form or if it's a characteristic of the content because I should have thought of this beforehand, but operas are things that by definition have no dialogue. And there's some contemporary musicals, like I'm thinking of Repo the, Gen Repo the Genetic Opera, mm -hmm. it's a pretty big example in film, and uh, Tommy, the, the Who's Rock opera, mm -hmm. that are operas because they have no dialogue in them. Would performing one of those be more similar to performing an opera or more similar to performing a musical? Ah, oh, that's a tough question. I think that something like, are you saying it's a rock opera? I'm sorry, I've never heard of this. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. I Actually, would that, say yeah, that that's, that's exactly what they are. It's more similar to a musical, I think, just because opera demands that classical sound. I really think that that's so vital to the art form. Whether you kind of vary that, I just, you know, a rock opera maybe wouldn't quite be an opera. A classical opera. Obviously, it's not a classical opera. Oh, that's kind of stuck me a little bit. It'd be more similar to perform. I think it'd be more similar to a musical, but would yeah. definitely require the stamina of just singing something all the way through. There, that's a next level that's tough, feat yeah. to just sing continuously without speaking. That's a so, lot of the training in opera, too. Yeah, it is. is it is. Physical wherewithal. Our director, Nancy Hermiston, she's constantly reminding us that we're vocal athletes. And so we have to oh. train the way an athlete trains, but for our voices. It's a great analogy. Yeah, it is. She does a fantastic job explaining that for us. In opera, when you listen to opera, because the music serves the purpose of dialogue yep. in a lot of ways, it can sound like one continuous song with movements it in it, can. and that's how it's yep. written. Whereas in musicals, those things are distinctly and often stylistically different. I think when you really break down an opera, there's things like recitative. That is the dialogue, but it is, it's sung. But the intention of recitative is that it's supposed to sound much more spoken than the aria that's following it, which you're singing all the way through. The recitative really moves the plot of the opera versus the aria, which you just kind of s sustain an emotion or sustain a thought. There are developments in arias, but it's much more stagnant and kind of a chance to just sit in the moment and sit in the plot and what's happening. Do you have a favorite particular song from Sweeney Todd along those lines, Ooh. like a sort of aria moment in this play? I really think Epiphany at the end of Act One is just fantastic. It's kind of Sweeney Todd's really big, one of Sweeney Todd's really big arias. And I love I love Green Finch and Lynette Bird. Is, that's the one that Joanna sings. And 
So obviously that's very near and dear to my heart just because that's my character. And so I, I really love kind of exploring her through that aria. I was going to consider humming the song, but it's going to sound incredibly off-pitch. <laughs> oh, if there's one sort of character in musicals, in opera, in general that you would like to play oh. to sing, who would it be? That is a tricky question. I don't think about that very often. This is definitely one of my dream roles. I feel very lucky to be involved in the production because I've always wanted to play this role specifically. I think she's so interesting. She's just suffering so many things as well as being so hopeful, and I think that's amazing. So actually, this character is one of the ones that I've always wanted to get a chance to portray. And then, yeah, I, that's probably the that's just probably the one. I'm going to stick with this one. All right. Well, that's a pretty swelling endorsement. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. And just to be clear, this is for the Snapshots Collective production of Sweeney Todd, the demon barber of Fleet Street. Okay, I was going to try and aim for Johnny Depp's English accent and just missed right off. I liked off. it. Um, running until October 31st, which I imagine is going to be one. November 1st, actually. We have extended the show. November 1st, okay. We have, so. yeah. There might be a few tickets left on that one, too. Because I imagine the 31st is going to be a big night for you. I think so. It's going to be super fun, and uh, by that time, we'll all be very... You know, you go in, you get it done, and it's just going to get better and better as we go on for our run. So by the 31st, it's going to be absolutely terrifying there and you go. hilarious. There you go. Start making plans. There you go. Rachel, it was terrific to have you. Thank you so much. You too. And well, oh. <laughs> thanks for having me. <laughs> it was a pleasure. That was Rachel Park coming to us to talk about Sweeney Todd. I highly recommend trying to get your tickets while you can because it looks like it's already well on the way to being sold out. We got another VIF segment for you coming here. VIF ends on the 12th, so definitely get out and see some of the shows while you can. I actually just saw Piazza Vittorio yesterday. Now, for those unaware, that is the latest film from Abel Ferrara, a name you may be familiar with if you are familiar with sort of uh, real sleazy kind of movies. Uh, that's the best way I can describe his filmography, to which this is anomalous, by the way. If you're a public domain fisherman like myself, you may be aware of Driller Killer. Wouldn't recommend seeking it out, but it sounds exactly like it is. Or maybe Miss 45, King of New York, or more most likely Bad Lieutenant. Piazza Vittorio is a break from Ferrara's style in a lot of ways because it's set in, well, Piazza Vittorio, which is in Rome, rather than New York, which is very much where he's been based throughout. He's a very New York character. And you can tell that when he's in the movie, because it's a documentary. And he shows up. His personality is very, very oh yeah, I, I, I'm, an, I'm, a, I'm an immigrant too, you know? I'm an immigrant too. I just want to stay here and do my art, you know? And he's talking to um, other immigrants to Italy. And I actually learned a lot about the state of Italy as of right now from this because migrants have been coming to Piazza Vittorio, which is a neighborhood in Rome, for rather some time, but there's been a recent uptick in that. These are migrants from very many different cultures, from China, from various parts of Africa, from various South American nations. And many of them are interviewed. And it's very interesting to see the array of different opinions. It presents that very well. And of all the things to describe an Abel Ferrara movie, I was not thinking balanced and humanistic would be two of them. This starts with, and uses as a leitmotif, Do Re Mi by Woody Guthrie. Like, Abel Ferrara and acoustic guitar, for those who are familiar with him, do not go together. But it does make sense, because he is, in a lot of ways, a no-waver, like a punk who's gotten who's gotten old and he's lived through a lot of things. He's he's a he's a character and you can you can see that when he shows up in the film. Willem Dafoe is also in this. And the New York connection does make sense because Piazza Vittorio is like New York sort of this cultural melting pot sort of it, there's difficulties in assimilation obviously and that's a huge topic. It's actually a really interesting point made by a Senegalese immigrant named Mustafa who states that the volume of immigrants was formerly very small and primarily composed of skilled immigrants, which has not necessarily been the case now. So it's more difficult for them to find jobs. It's more difficult for them to get along. And uh, because this is the time it is, you know, the far right does enter into it with Casa Pound, which is a weird thing. It's sort of this semi-commune hostile thing run by Ezra Pound fans. For those of you unaware of Ezra Pound, you should probably read more. An American poet who was a big fan of Mussolini, also a very good poet, but yeah, it deserves to be known, big fan of Mussolini. And they, the Casa Pound people, have been running this sort of institution that very much focused on this idea of culture. And they show up in the movie. And the weirdest thing is that Abel Ferrara is a hostile person. Like, apparently he's converted to Buddhism recently, and this movie does point to a mellowing with age, but leopard stripes... 
he does not tear these guys to pieces. He doesn't tear anyone to pieces in this, which is very interesting. You know, Abel Ferrar making a documentary doesn't sound like something that would pull punches. But it does allow them to talk, and it's sinister stuff because they're talking about, you know, oh, we're being replaced, so forth and so on. Like, they're, they're a couple rungs below Tiki Torches, but they're within spitting distance. But they also have like it does point out that they have reasonable grievances concerning a vanishing middle class and the role of international capitalism they're not they're not shown to be as hateful as the extension of their philosophy would indicate which i found very interesting it's a very interesting movie if you like abel ferrara if you're aware of him definitely check it out because it is a hell of a contrast if you haven't seen abel ferrara movie this is not as i would say the the most fitting introduction to him but it is actually a surprisingly pleasant movie but it is also very informative and very interesting i was i was very pleasantly surprised by it i thought abel abel kind of looks like an Italian Charles Bukowski at this point that I, I, I've liked the guy's films before and I'm glad to see that he's uh, he's evolved he's changed going on for a shout out another Italian film Love and Bullets which is playing tomorrow at the Vancouver Playhouse at 915 it's about a mafioso who falls in love with a woman he is hired to assassinate seems like a, a lot of fun seems very interesting and I've I've heard good things about it another film I've heard good things about which I was unfortunately unable to see but which really does deserve a bit of a spotlight on it is The Edge of the Knife or Sagawe Kun, I, I am not aware of the proper pronunciation, but it is a film made here, made in BC, by Y. Aiden Shaw and Helen Haig Brown. It's an epic film. It's set in the 1800s, and it is scripted and shot in two dialects of Haida, of the Haida language, a very rare dialect, and it was quite well acclaimed at the Spotlight Gala Awards. It took home Best C BC Film and Best Canadian Film, something that in many respects could only come out of BC, and and it deserves to be acknowledged for that. It's a very interesting piece of culture. And that's all I can say. It's been a great VIF, and this has been The Jawbone. I'm Jake Clark, and over to who just played this. And I just played that. Hi, everyone again. This is Ileana, and we have uh, Lou I just left, so we have our new kind of correspondent here. If you want to introduce yourself. Should I do my usual thing? <laughs> your like new thing that you do now yeah that's perfect that's great you should do that every time now it's like set in stone um I was personally really excited about Sweeney Todd when I was hearing about the kind of interview that Jay Clark was doing do you like have you watched Sweeney Todd I don't think I've watched that one but I'm, I'm a Tim Burnham fan for sure have you like seen the live version of it though oh no you should it's so good it's always like really fun I I've never seen, like, the live, live version, but I've seen, like, videos of live, yeah, <laughs> not YouTubes, I like to think <laughs> a little bit nicer, uh, you, like, videos yeah. of, videos of, like, the live performances that, uh, theaters do with Sweeney Todd, and it's always, like, really fun. I think Sweeney Todd is, like, an interesting story, honestly. The music's really good, though. Is there, like, a favorite song you have, or... I don't think I've watched it. I feel bad. Now. Oh my god! You should watch it. It's like it's peak Halloween season. That's like one of the things to see. Like there's like certain movies you watch because you're like it's Halloween. Nightmare Before Christmas. Okay, yes, this is true. Nightmare Before Christmas is a Halloween and Christmas movie. Yeah, it is it both. Goes on both. Yeah. And if you really think about it, that like one shot of the Thanksgiving bird. It could be counted as a Thanksgiving movie, too. Really? I, I'm just That's stretching. Stretch. I'm stretching yeah. it real hard because I <laughs> love the movie. Um, even if it. I'm not a Tim Burton fan. I'm it's like, genius. Yeah. I mean, what's another? I, like, watch Friday the 13th every Friday the 13th because I was like, this That's is cool. <laughs> this is cool. I'm cool watching horror movies. I mean, I'm, like... Is there any, like, horror thing you're doing right now or watching to get ready for Halloween? Are you, like, are you scared? I gotta say, this will be my, uh, well, second second Halloween and first Canadian Halloween. So I need to get ready and get all my, all my spooky stuff in order, right? Oh, girl, I'm, like, already ready for, like, spooky stuff. Like, I'm set. I'm, like, ready to go. I have already my costume idea. Me, oh, yeah, me too. Oh, really? Are you going to tell or are you going to keep it a secret? I can tell. I'm, I'm dressing up as Marceline, the vampire queen from Adventure Time. Which is, it's okay if you don't know. <laughs> People who ha do, do watch Adventure Time, that's who I'm dressing up as. Who are you dressing up as? 
I'm gonna be like a Dia de los Muertos kind of thing. Oh, yeah. nice. Yeah, That'll some be cool, cool stuff. Yeah, Dia de los Muertos is such a iconic thing. I'm that's that'll be really cool. Um, I mean, is well besides getting ready for your like costume, is like, do you watch anything or is just so just not ready for Christmas? Halloween is a new thing for me. I'm I'm Israeli, so back in oh. Israel we have well, it's a Jewish holiday. It's called Purim. It's much later in the year, but it's also about costumes. But we don't have the spooky stuff. We just okay. get happy and drunk. That's pretty good, actually. And it's a mitzvah to get so drunk you can't tell right from wrong on Purim. Oh, my True. God. True story. Oh, my God. That's some serious drinking. <laughs> that is some serious drinking. <laughs> I I can't have Halloween without the spooky stuff. Oh, You'll okay, enjoy so give it. me the deets. To give you the deets. Friday, Friday the 13th is Friday the 13th. Oh, Friday the 13th. spooky enough for Halloween? I think that's spooky enough for Halloween. I think it's like a fun thing. Sweeney Todd. Sweeney Todd, definitely. Um, I like to watch uh, uh, playthroughs of people playing scary horror games. Okay. Because those are always like really fun. There's a new horror game coming out that I, I'm really excited about uh, called Visage. It's just it, the early release of it's on, but you're like in a house and you're like trying to figure out what's going on with this house. Are we talking video games? This is a video game. You're like, you're oh. trying to figure out what's going on in the house, like what's happening. And you have to be careful of like how long you stay in the dark of the house you have to like turn on lights have like a flashlight i mean have like candles and like a light and then like have everything illuminated because else you're like ghosts are gonna get you kind of yeah your like sanity starts decreasing you like see stuff (laughs) you hear stuff and you're like oh my god i'm gonna die here Um, (laughs) insane (laughs) we'll tell you some other cool stuff that's coming up uh coming up here in vancouver that's always a little spooky and scary and i'll definitely tell you some more kind of spooky stuff that we do yeah for halloween because halloween's my favorite halloween Okay, see you guys in a few minutes. Here are some ads and PSAs. Are you starting fresh this year and looking for new, exciting activities to do with friends on campus? Did you watch theater in high school and now miss it? Feeling overwhelmed and need a break? Come and escape to another world through thrilling live performance right on campus. Celebrate with us the 60th anniversary of UBC Theatre and Films 2018-19 season. (laughs) Still need more convincing? It's only $11.50 for UBC students with your card. And bring your ticket into Kerner's after the show to get 10% off your food. Check out theaterfilm.ubc.ca today. Pitch Perfect? UBC Acapella can sing on harmony in cue. Made up of 100 members across four choirs, the student-led club regularly performs on and off campus. Check out UBC Acapella on Facebook for more information regarding their Aka Amazing end-of-term concerts. And you're back here with the Art Support CITR. Hi. Hey, guys. Um, so we're going to do a kind of some shout-outs because as we're just talking about, like, spooky stuff that's coming in, we have Phantom Signal, which looks super cool. It's a horror satire show uh, presented in, like, a live uh, radio drama style. So, like, y- it's kind of like us, but you'll be able to kind of see the kind of sound effects uh they do for the radio um instead of just hearing it you'll also be the see the way that they do it which is honestly my favorite thing ever i love seeing how sound effects works that sounds really fun right and it's like such a cool way of being like oh i never thought about like that kind of sound stuff yeah um like maybe like breaking fruit to like make that kind of like crunching of like bones or something i don't know mm-hmm. <laughs> like that sort of stuff is always like really really cool to me uh, so they're doing they have like two shows that they're doing and the first one's coming up really soon uh it's coming up i think on friday october the 12th at 8 p.m uh they're 
doing their uh, show at the Little Mountain Gallery. The It's like 10 tickets at the door and it's only cash, so bring cash. Uh, I know it always like really sucks if you don't bring cash to it's something. It's so good that you said that because it's so sucks to get somewhere and you only have a credit card. I know, right? You like, I never, like honestly, unless I know exactly where I'm going that honestly needs cash, I don't bring cash with of me course not. everywhere. So considerate of you to mention that. I I know because I'm like I'd like show up there and I'd be like oh yeah we only take cash you'd be like oh no okay. <laughs> I gotta go find something to <laughs> uh, get money out of I guess <laughs> that'll be my journey for the day um, they also are doing one October the 31st which honestly is a long time and I'm very sad I wish there was more time with them because mm. I think I think you guys love them uh, but they're also doing October the 31st at 10 p.m. Uh, they're doing it at the Havana Theater, and the tickets are $10 at the door or in advance if you want to get those advance tickets. Uh, so they're doing that as well. I don't think this one is a cash only. Oh, there so you go. So that's, like, pretty good. But they're, it seems like a lot of fun, and I'm, like, so jealous that people are going to go check so them out. Is it themed? Like, do they just improvise per show? I think I don't think it's an improvisation. I think they are all um, they seem to have like a kind of script or anything like that or just um, it doesn't look like they're doing um, it doesn't look like they're doing um, improv, but I don't know maybe That's so cool. Kind yeah, of it reminds me of like uh, well, I wasn't there, but I know that like in the 60s and the 70s, like that's how um, the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy started. Yeah. But like radio shows, the, that's how people would get entertainment those days. So that kind of sounds cool. Just yeah. like audio and then you can bring back the radio. Bring it back. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to start singing already. Um, we also have a little shout out to the Vancouver International Film Festival. I know you're never going to stop hearing me say it. Um, the full title too. I never say VIF. I like say the, I say VIF and then I say Vancouver International Film Festival, just in case anyone doesn't know. Uh, but they just uh, were announcing like a bunch of their winners uh, f- from their BC Spotlight Gala. Uh, the big winner of the night was Edge of the Knife, which was directed by oh god, I hate this. Uh, Gua, can- Ed and Shaw and Helen. Hug Brown, I hope. And it's like the first God, do you know how to say that? I'm sorry. I'm really <laughs> I'm really bad at saying stuff. Like I'm so stupid. I'm Where sorry. Are we? <laughs> <laughs> I gotta point it out because I'm terrible. Uh, well, it looks like Gawaii, Erin Shaw and Helen Hague Brown, yeah. Uh, the first Hada language feature film. What is Hada? It mm, I think it mm, I'm not positive uh we can look it up with our handy dandy phones that we have on us thank god for the internet honestly thank Uh, god but they they were the big winners of the uh of the of the night they got the best bc film and the best canadian film so definitely a film to check out looks really really cool um, and then we have like other kind of winners that came on as well that you'll able to see uh, that got some awards. But we just wanted to give a shout out to them for doing such an amazing job. And if you're interested in watching that movie, since it was got like the best BC film and the best Canadian film, I mean, definitely check it out. And there's gonna be like all of the winners, all of the all of the films that ha- had the highest scores during the during Vancouver International Film Festival are gonna be playing. Uh, next week or something like that? I think so. That was like a winner's round? I have no idea. I know nothing about this. I wish Luma was still here so we could like grill her on the stuff since she... She she did mention something like that. She did mention something. I don't remember what it was. And I feel very bad that I don't know exactly. So according to the information that I have, the best uh, movies, if you've been to VIF, so when you come out of the movie, they give you a little piece of paper and then you can rate the movie that you saw, right? Yeah, I think so. So then the best... Oh, yeah, the favorites get exactly, redone yeah. again. So I guess yeah. that one's definitely coming back. So definitely check it out. It looks really, really cool. Uh, we also have one more thing to uh, kind of talk about is we have... Uh, Before you move on, can I just say oh, yes, where yes, yes, Heda yes. is? Yes, please so tell. So Heda is a spoken language in Heda, Gawaii. 
and that's an island of uh, First Nation Indigenous people just off BC. Oh, that's so cool. Yes. That is awesome. That's so great. I'm honestly so happy now that they, like, I'm really proud. Yeah. Misrepresented groups, right? Yes. Unrepresented. Unrepresented. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely unrepresentative. Um, we also have the one last song. It's the uh, Vancouver uh, Bot Choir's uh, 88th season opening up with uh, Duruffel. Oh, God, I'm so bad. That's okay. <laughs> I'm like a college student. I should be able to say words. Like, I can't, but I should. <laughs> I should. Someone take my, like, degree away from me at this point. I'm, <laughs> like, done. Um, Duruffel Requiem and Burston Chitster Palms. Uh, it seems that they're doing, uh, uh, the Vancouver Bach Choir is doing uh, some. There's a Bach 20. Choir? There is a Bach Choir. That is very cool. Very specific. It's very, very cool. So they're doing, uh, they have uh, Saturday, October the 13th at 7.30 to 9 p.m. They're performing at the, I guess it says, the St. Andrew Wesley's United Church at 1022 Nelson Street. So definitely check it out. Looks really, really cool. Uh, They also have like a pre-concert talk at 6.45 p.m. So if you want to check that out or if you're just like, I just want to hear the concert. Go to 7.30 p.m. to uh, 9 p.m. Looks really, really cool. Um, yeah. Bach so choir. I know. It's so amazing to find out about things you hadn't thought existed. I Honestly, I really love choir. I think choir is really cool. I, I don't know that. I, I sang in a choir last year in my old university. Oh, my God. That's yeah. so cool. I love it. Yeah, I... I didn't e- I didn't I used didn't sing in a choir now, but I used to sing it when I was like in high school. Nice. So that was like a lot of fun. I think that would be really cool. I don't know if that's really like scary, spooky stuff, but I mean We can have not just scary stuff, but Bach is it has a lot of drama in its composition. So it's like kind of getting that sweet sweet, <laughs> sweet, sweet spooky. Just like dress up and then it's like a Halloween choir. <laughs> you'll you'll be the only one dressed up in like a fucking <laughs> But it works. You'll be so festive. <laughs> You'll be feeling it. <laughs> you'll be feeling it. Everyone else will be very like weirded out, but you'll be like rocking <laughs> it. You'll rock it. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. So those are kind of the shout outs. Uh, I definitely think people need to check out the uh, the old old school radio show. Cause What's that the one? name of it? Phantom. Something? It was. Um, let me look for it again. Oh, it's called okay. the Phantom Signal. Phantom Signal. Yeah. Yeah. They are really really cool they seem to do like a lot of awesome stuff um and they also got got us a little kind of ad for their show um that'll be playing in like a couple of seconds as i try to get it it's really cute i just like was listening to it um it'll end us off in like a very halloween sort of way definitely definitely um yeah it's so I was talking about like all the cool stuff that I do, um, and for Halloween, um, yeah. I anyway, you should, yeah, <laughs> you should do Halloween stuff too. Tell like hit us up maybe on our Facebook. Tell us all like the different like Halloween stuff you do, uh, like just religiously. Like maybe you watch Tim Burton's uh, Nightmare Before Christmas because it's like the great. I bet so An many animation. people have that as a tradition. Almost definitely. I have it as a tradition. You have it as a tradition. It's like, it's so such good. a, it's iconic. It's just like an, it's an iconic piece of, like, literature to our world. I said literature even though it's like a film, but I read it like a book. That's okay. So. <laughs> Taylor Swift reads magazines like books, so that's okay. You're that's perfect. There. Awesome. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not alone. Um, yeah, so... Yeah, hit us up on our Facebook about that. That seems really cool. Um, I'm, like, just scrambling to get that, like, audio thing on. Other stuff that... (laughs) Thank you so much. (laughs) Is anyone... So you're dressing up as uh, Dia dos Muertos. Yeah. Um, Is there any, like, um, costumes, like, you would want to see? Or if you had, like, the money, what costume would you see? What, What costume would you wear? I'm pretty happy with my costume. I'm very excited about it. And I'm just excited about experiencing Halloween here. Like, 
on campus, off campus. People told me that just walking around uh, up and down Granville, it was like a nice thing to do to see everybody in their costumes and have some laughs. <laughs> yeah, it's, I think UBC definitely does like some really kind of just crazy stuff. And yeah, by crazy, I mean like really crazy fun. Um, even though the crazy fun might not be fun for all. I well, don't know. it's the spooky stuff, right? Oh, yeah, they do a lot of spooky stuff. Oh, oh, another cool spooky thing that I love to do, uh, haunted houses. Haunted houses forever. Yeah, I heard about that. I gotta go check that out. Yeah, they, a lot. the Playland does, like, really cool haunted houses for stuff, so that's definitely, like, a thing to check out. Are there any ones that have, like, um, student discounts, UBC discounts? Ooh, that's a good question. Hmm. I don't know. <laughs> I'm like very much don't know. Um, okay, I've set up the audio for our sweet sweet um, ad to kind of set us out. We just kind of wait for it to go. Yep. So this has been the eyes of art. We'll talk to you guys. Uh, we'll talk to you guys next Wednesday. Uh, right after us, though, we have the uh, medicine show where our dear friend here. We'll I'm going to be, be performing on the medicine show. Check me out. Yeah, it'll yeah. be really awesome. So here's uh, the Phantom Signals ad to kind of send us out. Bye, guys. See you guys later. And now a fake advertisement for a fake product. Gut bag, gut bag, gut bag! Oh, boy! Jesus Christ, Andrew, looks like you've been disemboweling people in here all day. I have been, and now I'm gonna be knee-deep in human guts. What a slippery mess. We gotta clean this place up before Mom comes home. I'll get a cloth. A cloth's not gonna handle a mess like this. Mom! Mom you're supposed to be at work. I got fired. No. Oh. What did I tell you two about disemboweling people all day? Don't, Don't do it in the kitchen. Well, we better clean up this mess before your dad comes home. But we don't have a box big enough for all these guts. Good thing I had the presence of mind to pick up some gut bags. Gut bags? What's that? What are you, slow? They're bags specifically designed to hold guts. The double reinforced wax lining makes sure there's no icky spilling or staining when you want to cart a lot of human guts out back to the fire pit. How convenient! Well, come on, you two. Let's get to work. Hey, Mom, why were you fired? For gutting the boss. <laughs> <laughs> Gut bags. The only thing better at keeping guts in place is an intact human torso. All right. Super giant pizza. Give me pizza.